Welcome to Unleashing Your Great Work, a podcast about doing the work that matters the most to you. I'm your host, Dr. Amanda Kroll, a cognitive psychologist, coach, and the creator of the Aligned Time Journal. Every week, we're here asking the big questions. What does it take to create something of your own? How do we overcome the procrastination, failure, and rejection that comes prepackaged with great work? And while we're at it, what is your great work? How would you know? How can you find out? We'll explore all of this and more. So get in here and let's unleash your great work. I am joined today by my very good friend and mentor, Trish Blaine. Trish is the founder of Non-Ordinary, a company committed to helping people live life on the evolving edge. Welcome, Trish. Thanks, Amanda. I'm really honored to be, uh, be, be on it. You're my second guest only, so that says a lot. I know. That's, uh, that's incredible. <laughs> I feel very lucky to be on, especially as your second oh, guest. It's I'm, definitely an honor. Thank you. So Trish, we always start every podcast with this question. Tell us a little bit about your great work. So, um, well, I am launching uh, a new platform called nonordinary.com and it's a uh, training uh, platform and community for what I'm calling evolving edge leaders or shifters, people who are really wanting to bring their great work into the world and have a positive impact in the world in some Mm -hmm. way. Um, and, uh, at the foundation of this training community is a framework that I've developed over the last 30 years, and it's called the four forces. And I found that this, uh, these four forces are really at the heart of everything there. When I started working with them, um, I found them to be our deepest desires. I found them to be at the heart of everything that we're trying to get in our lives and also sort of from a bigger picture of really at the heart of why there's suffering in the world, even like trying to get these four things. Uh, we've not really been taught what they are and how to get them in a way that is deeply satisfying for a lot of us. So mm-hmm. the four are connection. I found um, connection is the desire to love and be loved and belong. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second is expression. As much as we want to belong and be loved, we also want to be unique and separate and individual and be seen and heard. The third is purpose. The idea of contributing to something greater than ourselves, that we actually have something to offer and that we have significance and we make a difference in the world in some way. We have impact. That would be purpose. And then fourth is growth. The idea of um, tomorrow being better than today. Uh, the idea of progress, newness, variety. We want that as well. So to listeners of the Unleashing Your Great Work podcast, these four might sound actually pretty familiar and that is not an accident. Trish and I, uh, we've been friends for a long time and we've had a lot of conversations about the four forces. I find it to be a remarkable philosophy. Uh, I've done some of her programs and have developed some of the skills that she teaches and I, it has made a big impact on my own life. And when I was developing the essential pillars of great work, um, I talked to Trish a lot about the, the four things that I think go into great work and they are very similar. They're different because it's focused on, you know, your own creative contribution, but 
you know, she says, these are the four forces of everything. And I found that they are in fact, the four forces of great work too. So when she talks about connection and we talk about the fact that great work is done in community, when she talks about purpose, we talk about the fact that great work creates a legacy. When she talks about expression, we talk about the fact that it comes out of your personal perspective, your unique point of view. When she talks about growth, that you're on your evolving edge, that you're figuring things out. So the four pillars, the essential pillars of great work are actually built on, inspired by, enriched by, it's hard to know we've talked, <laughs> what is the right word um, to describe the relationship between these two? And what's interesting is Trish talks about how, and I'd like you to speak on this just maybe briefly, that the four forces, because it's the four forces of everything, it sort of operates as an operating system. So can you talk a little bit about how the four forces is actually the four forces of everything? Yeah. Well, I found that they're at the heart of, of everything. All of our desires come down to these four things. Like if we mm. even think about why do we want money, it usually mm. is related to these four, four things. I also found that they are a s- set of skills that you can mm. learn. So I've found that a lot of the suffering in the world is trying to get these things, but actually not knowing how to actually satisfy it at a deep, at, at them, satisfy them at a deeper level. Mm. So as you, you know, the four forces of everything, I also found that patterns that show up strategies around trying to get connection or strategies about being seen or heard actually end up creating communities based on those or communities that have similar strategies. Or if you look at political groups or cultures that different cultures and different groups have emphasis of one or, or more of these. Uh, This is all super interesting. And I think it would help us to have a a really concrete example to work with. So what do you think is a good, what's a good sort of problem to look at, to unpack how each of these individual forces, when they're in overdrive, destabilize the other four and cause human suffering? Yeah. So, you know, a big, a big, huge topic, which I don't, um, I don't have all the answers for in the way that like I'm going to solve climate change, but it's certainly <laughs> a big, a big topic right now. Yeah. And I, I would approach it from two different ways. One way is you can look at it from the four forces and see all the elements that are in play and how overemphasis on any one of these causes problems and ricochets in the other. So for example, um, purpose and having more rules and regulations, right? We have to stop people from producing carbon. Um, we have to have these regulations reasonable because we're like, Hey, we have a problem and, and we have to, um, really, you know, hunker down and make some choices here. And so we're going to put rules in place, Mm. but then what happens is you end up with people that are more focused on freedom or focused on wanting to make a living or having a job or economy, which is also important. Both of those are also important. Mm -hmm. Those now become in opposition to the rules, right? Like you're trying to stop me from having a job. You're going to shut down my plant. You're going to, or you're going to stop me from making my billions, Mm-hmm. Um, or freedom. Don't tell me what to do. I should have the choice. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just by putting in rules in place, when we look at it from this place of, of polarity or one or the other, there's a lot of suffering that comes into play, depending on who's in power. For example, mm-hmm. if you're a let's legislate like, you know, and, and put the hammer down, then those people may consider it, you know, suffering that now jobs are being lost and, right. and I can't make the money. But if we do it the other way, we're like the hell with, with the rules, hell with legislation, then you've got sort of a willy nilly 
Um, like growth, that would be overgrowth, right? That's growth overgrowth and overexpression, growth. right? Of like anything goes and the individual doesn't care about the others. I'm just going to take what I want to take and, and the hell with, you know, climate change is not real and let's not even worry about it or whatever. Okay. So, so from that context, there's a bigger and deeper issue of learning the skills and why we, these four things are there, whether we want to acknowledge it or not. Mm. So climate change isn't going away, right? You can, you can argue about the science of it, but there's also just a reality that 8 billion people on the planet, you know, I had an environmental store for 12 years back in 80 from 89 to 2001. Mm. And it was like, it was, they were talking about it then, like it's not sustainable to have 8 billion people keep growing to more billions of people and not have some way of, of learning how to um, live on a finite planet. Right. And yet at the same time, it does not work to talk about sacrifice and sustainability. So from a four forces point of view, it would be how, what kinds of, how can we create regulations and, or even how do we create structure and order and meaning in our society so that we all want to do it? Like, what does a world look like where we're all thriving? What does a world look like where you get your individual freedom, but the greater good and individual freedom are both and they're a, a, a yes. And they're not an either or. Hmm. And what does that look like from a creative version of, of, um, of solutions and products, or I see it as each individual, as we're learning these skills to do all four together, like there's so many things we haven't even thought of yet that could solve this problem. And I do think, you know, it's a very cliche saying, but, you know, Einstein saying that we can't solve a problem from the same mindset that created it. Mm -hmm. That I think is so true. And this is where, when we step out of the polarity of one or two of these forces at odds with the other, and instead put them together, Mm. then we really do have options that we haven't even thought of yet that are ways of, um, of shifting. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the space of that evolving edge, right? Of that great work too, of what do you see as an individual that maybe hasn't ever been thought of before or is a new perspective to look at it. And if you're, whatever your passion project is, whether you're a scientist or you're a activist or you're a, um, a business owner, mm-hmm. like if you're aligned with the four forces, you're aligned with life and you're, and we're aligned with each other. And then what gets created is going to be even more amazing than if we're in that polarity of trying to, you know, make sacrifices for one thing or the other, because it doesn't work. Unlimited growth does not work. And the idea of sustainability, sameness, sacrifice, boring rules, regulations doesn't work either. So how do we create a different version of that? How do we create structure that actually supports creativity and innovative solutions that are about the greater good and individual um, freedom. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I think what you're saying is like, there's a different way of looking at what is when you say like the four forces are there, whether you acknowledge them or not is an interesting perspective. So it's like, it sort of sounds like this is how the world balances itself out. According to you, tell me what that I'm, I'm trying to restate yeah. your in a way yeah. that, you know, yeah. I, I have to say like, even after years of knowing you, I still sometimes get kind of boggled by the enormity of what really you're saying, which is that the world is balanced on these four forces that over purpose will always be a problem because purpose without growth isn't how it's meant to be. It's not how it thrives, not how life thrives. Life thrives when there is 
purpose so that things can accumulate growth so that innovation can be brought in connection so that we're all in it together and expression so that I feel like I'm an individual person. When those four things are balanced, life can thrive. And so when we talk about great work, when those four things are together, your great work can thrive. That like when it, when I pull it into the space that I think so much about, it's like, it starts to make sense to me that if you're trying to do great work, that's too focused on legacy. Of course, it's going to get out of whack. It's going to start, you're going to be start doing things for reasons that aren't really about who you really are or who you're really trying to serve, but instead like what's going to get you accomplishments and legacy. And it's, it's interesting to think of these as like, you could really take anything and push one of these forces out of joint and start to see how the system begins to fail. Unleashing Your Great Work is sponsored by the Aligned Time Journal. As you think about great work, you might think, okay, but how? How do I figure out what my great work is? How do I make progress on it? How do I overcome procrastination, burnout, and perfectionism? What I like to call the three horsemen of the goalpocalypse. My answer to that question is, use the Aligned Time Journal. It's a whole person time management system that will keep you moving forward on your great work without ever feeling overwhelmed. Click the link in the show notes to check it out. Give it a try and get busy unleashing your great work out into the world. They really, when you start to really look through this lens, you can see that a lot of what drives us as humans is really these four things. And I found as you deepen your skills in them, these doing all four deeply at the same time gives you a new set of levers and new set of ways of experiencing life, of experiencing reality when you when you understand how to get these four things. Hmm. That's so interesting. What I, what I think is really fascinating about a lot of the conversations we've been having about the four forces and related to the four pillars is in, in essence, the four forces, I see them as the operating system that then you with your great work get to come in and create something really unique. It's not just, oh, they're the same four forces. There's a, you've taken it and the pillars are your great work that are aligned with the four forces, but they have your flavor. They have your, your desire in them. They have your, they're your creative process. So what I love about it is it's a way for us to coordinate in, in our great work with each other, with this operating system but you and each person gets to create your own unique version of those. That's your expression. That's your great work. Mm-hmm. I definitely think that that's true, but I also don't want you to underestimate what you've done, which is to, uh, to sort of uncover and clearly articulate a different way of thinking about what is like, that's a big contribution. Thank you. And I found it to be a remarkable Almost, I know you don't like, I know you don't really talk about it this way as much, but the way I personally use it after having sort of gone through your programs and worked with you fairly deeply is almost as an assessment. When I start to feel unhappy in a deep way, right? Like I'm Mm. feeling a little out of control or I'm starting to get too angry or I'm starting to feel a little bereft, like, like maybe my, you know, maybe I'm not worthy enough or whatever that. I can sort of run my state through the four forces and mm-hmm. find a solution that allows right. me to feel more in balance. So, you know, if I'm feeling angry, I might be into my, maybe locked in a little too much on expression 
and I need to like pull it back and remember that other people exist and bring my attention to them. Or if I'm feeling a little uh, type A, just like really tightly wound, (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure this is a huge surprise (laughs) to everyone that happens, you know, I can say I'm a little over, I'm a little locked in on purpose right now. And I need to relax and allow creativity to flow a little bit and let things emerge and like not get so caught up in trying to predict what's about to happen. And I think in great work, you can do the same thing. You know, you're absolutely, all of you out there, you're hundred percent doing great work. Like it's not something that you like achieve, like, oh, finally I'm doing great work. No, every minute of work that matters to you is great work, but there is, you can run your great work through this, through the essential pillars as a means of like, when you start to feel a little out of whack, like you start to feel like, why am I making these choices? Well, you may discover that you're making them because you want legacy. You're doing things just because other people want you to, or because you think people will like it, or it'll work well in the marketplace or whatever. You can connect back to yourself and say like, who am I really? What do I really want to express? And that can just help to recalibrate the system. Like it doesn't, it can sometimes be a way to make sure like when when you start to feel like this isn't as deep as it could be, how can I deepen it? Well, by looking through the lens of the essential pillars, if it's great work or in everything, because they're the four forces of everything. <laughs> yeah. And I think you bring <laughs> up a good point too, that I know over the years, you know, one of the things we can fall into with great work is where it becomes, you know, it's our passion and we we're, we're persistent with it, or we know that we need to be doing it, but we also don't, it doesn't have to be a hard struggle and sacrifice. It also needs to be fun and pleasurable and feel good. And so when we're not feeling good, when we're in that, whatever, for whatever reason, like being able to say, oh, wait, what am I really, what, what is out of whack here, as you say? And, and, you know, I think that's been a big thing for me too. And, and the refinement of my great work of this, bringing this to the world has been, you can get, you can get caught up in the, the mission of it or, or some version of it instead of like, what's feels good and is fun with it too, right? Like it can be a lot easier than a lot of us make it, you know, maybe yeah. I'm just talking for myself, but I know I've worked with a lot of, <laughs> like you're talking for of, all of us, <laughs> a lot of us, you know, that are doing great work. We it's, it's serious. And at the same time, we also, it's, it's gotta be pleasure. You know, I've been self-employed forever and it's like, it's gotta be enjoyable. Otherwise, otherwise what's the point? Otherwise, what's the point? Yes. Yeah, exactly. What I've really appreciated about our conversations, Amanda, is that there's been a both and of like, wow, you have um, a, a genius and great work that is yours. And I have my great work, which is the four forces. And in collaboration, it's made both of our work better. Mm-hmm. And there's also this place where I found sometimes people are like, well, I don't want to do somebody else's framework. I've got my own framework. And yet what I love about the four forces is it can be a common operating. And, you know, it sort of alludes to one of the questions I always ask, which is, you know, this work that you're doing is it's big and it's important. And I assume it's like a little hard. So I'm wondering what challenges have you faced in sort of bringing such a big theory to the world? Um, well, thanks. And yeah, I mean, it's, I've certainly had um, a bunch of challenges and I, I don't think they're necessarily um unique to me. I think these are mm-hmm. two common ones that happen for people, especially when you feel really drawn to bring something unique, something different, a new perspective, a new, you know, defining one of the things about great work too, is defining your unique offering. So, you know, the two things that I think I found have been most challenging has been, one has been timing. 
mm. uh, the idea of being ahead of the curve. And, mm. you know, I've, I've had a lot of situations um, where, you know, having an environmental store in 89, right. And talking <laughs> about climate change when it was called global warming or wanting to do an internet cafe and community online in the early nineties, you know, yeah. when people were like the internet, the internet's not going to go anywhere or co-working <laughs> spaces. Cause I felt like we needed a space to gather and, you know, and that was in 2007 and investors were like, that's crazy. Nobody's oh. going to want to know where you're located or do, you know, I wanted to have um, where you could like scan and tell people that you were in the building to meet them. So, you know, those, those are challenges when you're ahead of the curve to, to, um, be able to say, no, this is what I see as next, you mm-hmm. know? And, and also in addition to that and related is finding language when something is um, mm-hmm. a newly defined space. And, you know, it's funny, I, I will often Google things and I'll, I'll find, oh no, there's no results. And I get really excited. I'm like, oh, that's exciting. Something new. And, you know, my partner is like, no, that is awful. Like there's no <laughs> SEO and there's no keywords. Like how are we going to market this? If, if, if there's zero Google results, when you type that in that phrase in, uh-huh. so, you know, on that note, it's been really challenging to find help, particularly in marketing. Um, I remember I had a, I hired a business coach. I actually was on a whole, like for a year, I was really looking for help with how to describe, you know, how to market this. I went to a bunch of masterminds and I hired a, a very well-known coach and and he just kind of beat me up with like that language isn't going to work and it's all like, you know, out there. And well, two years later, he's using that language now, you know, like, uh, no, it's not right. You're so, ahead of your time again. <laughs> but it's also, you know, one of the analogies that came out of that working with him that felt helpful was at one point I said to him, look, the analogy that I want to use is like, if you've created, I feel like you know, if you've created something like astrology, like I've created this system that works for you to be able to describe the world or be able to um, enhance every aspect of your life. So if I use the analogy of like astrology, I feel like everybody in marketing is telling me, well, pick one, pick Tauruses and market to Tauruses. And I'm like, that's mm-hmm. not the point. I mm-hmm. want to market the whole system. And I think that's where marketing can be really super challenging because there is always this line of wanting to find language and words and identifiers that people like, what's your avatar? You want to find something that people can relate to. And at the same time, when you're carving out a new space or you have a different point of view, those words don't necessarily match. And we have to kind of create our own language and educate people about our language. Mm. What's an example of something that you Googled that you couldn't find any results for? Oh, gosh. Um, (laughs) Well, you know, one that comes to mind, and I can't remember if there was zero or not that many, right. but like the idea of like a, creating a utopia of utopias, you know? So okay. like the word utopia is a great example where a lot of times people have negative connotations to that word because hmm. there's a lot of thoughts that it's boring or that it's same, or, you know, like it just isn't for some reason inspiring. And yet I say to people too, that if it's if you think it's boring, it's not utopia yet. <laughs> but, you know, my version of utopia is a utopia of utopias. Like, how can we each have our own individual utopias and then together collectively using this common operating system? Like, that's a phrase to, you know, trying to find language using that common operating system. Your utopia and my utopia then can be aligned. Hmm. But there's, you know, there's been several phrases. Um, when I, I often will um, either meditate or I'll get sort of what I'd say is like a download or I'll have some inspiration come in and then I'll go and research it. And usually I find stuff that's sort of on that evolving edge or I'll find that, oh, that, that, that phrase doesn't exist yet. So how do you, so how do you navigate that? Cause if you're, 
if you're talking about something that people's first reaction to is like, that's boring, but it really is what you're trying to say. How, if you're so far, how Trish, have you figured that out? <laughs> if you're so far ahead of your time that no one understands what you're saying, how do you get to people? Like, how do you help them see that what you're talking about is relevant to them today? You know, I mean, I think that is part of the learning that I'm also incorporating and bringing into the training that I offer people now, because there is, it is different marketing uh, a new paradigm Mm -hmm. or marketing a new category. It is different than sort of standard marketing. And I think a lot of it is putting it out there and seeing what people's responses were. Like, for example, you and I went to heroic, we met at heroic public speaking, right. As, and both doing that training and I went through the months of training of that to come up with language. And at the end of it, people were still sort of like, I don't really quite get it. And then Mm -hmm. ended up having uh, a session with somebody where I was just sort of sharing and helping with their unique, you know, with their lives and kind of sharing my perspective. And at the end of it, she was like, what the heck? Like, I had no idea that's what you were talking about up on stage, you know, and that's actually where the word non-ordinary came from, you know, Mm -hmm. like you need a different way of describing this. So a lot of it is trial and error. But there is, you know, um, there is, I'm finding a way of marketing a new paradigm that if you think of it as you're creating a new space that you're inviting people into, what is that on-ramp? Like, what it, what is someplace where you can start with words that people know, but then you have to build in more of an on-ramp. You have to, mm. to bring them from the words they know to thinking about them differently and introduce your language. So it, it's more of a process, mm-hmm. I found, than just being able to go out there and say, okay, here's my marketing campaign. Yeah. So you know, a lot of that is what I work with with my clients, too, and what I'm wanting to offer in some of the training is what I've learned over the years about that need for that on-ramp. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the, the sort of leaders on the evolving edge is a, is a term that I think really does kind of hit a particular nail on the head because I feel like there are a lot of people these days. I mean, there's no question that things are kind of a shit show. (laughs) Right. right. There's a question of like, how do we get out of this and into something new? And nobody knows the answer. Like anyone who's like, I know how is like lying or diluted or something. (laughs) Right. Because the, the answer to the question, how do we do this really, really differently and end up in a different place is like, it's a complicated question. We need lots of perspectives to come together to find it. Like, but I think leaders have come to realize I need to be able to lead in a different way to bring different things forward, which actually is one of the levels of your training program, right? So actually, let me segue that into the question. If people on the call, who I'm sure there are lots of them, who are interested in learning more about you or maybe learning from you, how can they do that? I work with people in, a, in several different ways. I, I do have one-on-one coaching mm-hmm. and I also um, have sort of my advanced facilitator leadership training programs. But in between, I'm also um, offering a bunch of um, really targeted monthly, like four week long courses. And the idea of building the skills for a community where we can practice these together and everybody can bring their unique perspective too, but have that common operating system. So um, you can go to nonordinary.com and uh, there's, you can sign up there. There's a bunch of stuff that we're doing right now that are mm-hmm. opportunities for free courses, for webinars, for community uh, meetups, uh, to meet other, other nice. people that are interested like you. So there's um, a bunch of opportunities if you go to nonordinary.com uh, that you can, you will get notified of. Awesome. Yeah. And I'll definitely put the link to that in the show notes and I will add my own 
recommendation that you go over there and sign up and at least go to a couple of the events because it's such an interesting concept. It's so deep and so rich. And, you know, Trish, I really am so grateful for you coming on the podcast to share these ideas with us. Um, Thank you so much. It's absolutely my pleasure. And I am very excited to Mm. have you as a friend and a colleague Mm. and um, very excited for what you're bringing to the world and just honored to be a part of it. So thank you very much for, for having me on. Yes, it was my pleasure. Thank you for joining me today on the Unleashing Your Great Work podcast. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and leave a five star review. And hey, don't forget to check out the Align Time Journal. You need support to get started. Stay at it and unleash your great work out into the world. See you next time.